welcome to Book Chatter, a monthly book club podcast presented by the Longmont Public Library. I'm Josie, your host for this episode, and with me are Denise. Hi. Johannes. Hello. And special guest Jim. Hello. With the City of Longmont Public Works and Natural Resources Department to discuss our latest pick, A Walk Around the Block by Spike Carlson. And we are here again in the podcast recording studio at Longmont Public Media. Our thanks to them for making this space and so much else available to our community. Today, we'll be discussing this book in its entirety, so there will be spoilers in here. If you haven't finished reading the book, you probably want to go back and read it and then come back to this episode when you've done so. So for a little bit of author and book info... Spike is a former teacher and carpenter before he became an author. He lives in Stillwater, Minnesota, in a 165-year-young house. Before he wrote A Walk Around the Block, he wrote A Splintered History of Wood, which was about wood, I'm assuming, and Cabin Lessons, and he wrote various books on furniture building, some of which we have in the library. He updates his blog at spikecarlson.com, and it has a tagline, quote, it's a wonderful world, unquote. I love that. Carlson uh, indeed shows us the wonderful world that surrounds us in this book, especially the infrastructure we don't often think about, but we do depend on. So as we do every episode, let's give this book the star treatment. I will go first. I really enjoy these chapters. Um, they can be read in any order, and they're short and sweet. Uh, he reminds me somewhat of Bill Bryson and a little bit of Mike Rowe in his lifting up of the mundane. Mike Rowe had the show Dirty Jobs for a long time, and he would go into places like sewers and whatnot to see what these people did and how important their jobs were and how dirty. <laughs> um, I like how he encourages curiosity, and I learned a lot that I didn't know before. But uh, I did feel that some of his writing was a little too folksy, and um, for some reason, I had a hard time following it. I, um, you know, that could just be me, but I got very distracted very easily. And uh, so I don't know if that was the writing or if that, again, was just me. Uh, monkey brain. Anyway, um, I would give this book four stars. It's very informative. How about you, Jonas? Uh, in general, I liked the book. I thought it was really informative. It was easy to read. I was definitely illuminated about things I didn't know before. Um, but I also, I, I really wasn't captivated by his writing style. And, you know, this isn't that type of book. So, right. you know, all, you know, in, in benefit to the to the author, it's not like I hold that really against him. But it's I, not a Pulitzer. Right? Yeah, but, you know, and I, I, I really wasn't taken by it. I didn't hear his voice. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really did have an issue with the second chapter. It got under my skin. Um, he talks about um, coal power plants, and he really seemed to, he gave all the, the, um, the pros about coal power plants and papered over the negative and they did, then did the exact opposite with renewable energy, which I thought was really needless because I think he did a great job in convincing me that those plants are amazing. I want to go to one. I want to check one out because they just they seem they seem incredible. But I just came away from that chapter with a very strong sense of like there's a big bias going on here. So that was a little strange. And then I thought some of the choices and of the of the book itself were weird. Like the first chapter on porches, 
Although I thought it was interesting, I thought it was the weakest chapter of the book mm. and like the least interesting to me. And so I just thought it odd that he'd start out with that one. I really wanted him to start out with the one about mail. That one blew me away. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. I read most of it twice just because it was great. Mm-hmm. So um, just for, for, those, for those things, I, I give this book three stars. All right. Denise, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm a very curious person. I'm a why person. I like to know what the reason is behind things, how they work. I'm just curious about all kinds of things. And so um, I found the book to be satisfying on a lot of those levels. I'm one of those kids that's wondered about stuff like that, you know. Just how does it work? You know, when you um, wash your hands, where does that water go? How did it get in my house? And mm-hmm. just those sorts of things. Um, so, and, and you know, you put the recycle in the bin and then it goes to the curb. And I don't know. Um, it's magic. Yeah, I know. There's so much magic in my childhood, and now I have a lot of reality to balance that. <laughs> I thought that, that like like you, Josie, the chapters being short, um, nice, easy read, it was, you know, if you just needed to read one or two or a little bit before bed, easy to just mark out one, read it, you know, bookmark it, and you're good for a while. Um, if you want to think about it a little bit longer, like you said, Johannes, or read it over again. Um, it wasn't deeply like a textbook or like you know, really a lot of facts and figures and that kind of thing. They were sprinkled in there, but it still was written so that we could all understand it. Um, And that made it a lot easier, too. had a really good mix of facts, and some of them were ordinary and some of them were really strange. (laughs) And I liked that because you want enough provable facts and, and citations to add weight, but you also want to know some of the weird stuff and the things you would have never thought about, too. Um, and then having his own journey, the fact that he's not just researching and writing, but he's going out there and he's contacting people in his community. And um, I think maybe some of us would like to do that and say, oh, well, you know, can I just go to, you know, the water treatment plant? Can I? Um, would they let me in? And the fact that they actually were so accommodating and were fun to be with, that was neat to read about his interactions with them. Um, I liked how... Um, he really gave a behind the scenes. It wasn't just, I went there and this is what I saw, but it was really kind of in depth. You get a lot of imagery too. Um, he explained terms and jargon really well, which I think is easy to get bogged down in. Um, what does that mean? And what is this acronym? And then just get lost in what he's trying to say. So I give it four and a half stars. It was pretty good. Alrighty. Uh, and Jim, before, you give us your rating. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do over at Public Works and Natural Resources? Certainly. Um, and first off, let me start uh, out by uh, thanking you for for letting me join this group. Uh, um, I really enjoyed the book. Yeah. Um, at Public Works and Natural Resources, I am the Director of Engineering Services. Okay. So um, I am uh, uh, overseeing a, a group of engineers and inspectors and um, some uh, some operating uh, operating people who basically are responsible for uh, improvements and maintenance of the city's infrastructure. So uh, when as I read this uh, read the book, it, it, some of this stuff was very familiar to me at home in a lot of places. Uh-huh. Um, some of it was 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 very uh, new to me. Um, I didn't know where my mail went. Um, <laughs> I, I frankly didn't even know where my trash goes. <laughs> it was it was eye opening, and uh, so I I gave the book four and a half stars. I found it to be very informative, an easy read, uh-huh. 
um, and very entertaining. Uh, I liked how they, he tied some historical context to um, almost every one of these items, mm-hmm. which, yeah. which I enjoyed. Yeah. You know, again, I go back to the mail because that just blew me away. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. The male chapter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so speaking of chapters, um, so a lot of little chapters that focused on one thing and mostly infrastructure, but, you know, some nature things and, and porches. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, don't get me wrong. I love a good porch. Oh, I, just I love wanna, a good porch I just as well. point that out. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you, I, I agree. Some of it was like, okay, some of it was infrastructure, you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff. And then other things. I, I mean, it's all the stuff you'd see on the block. But... But yeah, some of them were seemed a little out of place. But um, I wasn't too sure one about pr- the squirrel thing because yeah. you see squirrels. But I'm like, if we're gonna pick out like critters in walking around the block, why pick squirrels? Uh, yeah, and maybe it's my own thing. I mean, birds, right? right. He like, did pigeons. Yeah, he did pigeons. That's true. Which I guess maybe we don't have quite as many of. I mean, I would have thought. Oh, I got a ton in my yard. Do you? Oh yeah, I oh. got some friends that come. I do see a lot of. Them <gasps> I tend to see the, the morning doves. Josie or, in charge of impressions. Oh, oh do it again. No. <laughs> um, but, like, we also have, because we're a little semi-rural, we have some osprey and some eagles, some hawks, oh. those kind of mm-hmm. things, which are sometimes part of walking on your block. So I tend to think of sparrows. I tend to think of um, other things. Um, I guess the importance of a squirrel. Yeah, but lost they're, I mean, they're clever little dudes. You know, yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever watched... There's this this one d- guy who who does YouTube videos. I've seen, and that he makes one. these elaborate yes obstacle courses. Yes. Oh yeah, for the squirrels to get to some nuts. And don't they like fling the squirrel every once in a while? Oh, Something they're never like nasty to him. No, yeah. it's not. But no, they're, you know they they'll they'll make a couple mistakes. But man, they learn fast, and then they can go through that thing in no time flat. In no time at all. It is yeah. amazing. And um, so, so yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's a little unnerving. Honestly. It's strange. <laughs> But but if you go back to his his kind of the theme of the whole book is a walk around the neighborhood. Right. When yeah. you walk around your neighborhood, you see a lot of squirrels. Definitely. Yeah. See oh yeah. And, yes. and maybe you know, being from Minnesota, you see a lot of pigeons there. Yeah. 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 That could be. Yeah. You no, know, I know. I know. I was. I, I enjoyed the chapter on squirrels. Um, just you know, in our experience, they can cause a lot of damage. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They sure yeah. can. Um, they get inside a signal pole. They hold the wires up. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that in my career. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, when a signal goes black and you're like, "What's wrong with it?" and you can't figure it out, and you find out that a squirrel got in there, put a nest in, and they chew in the wires. Yeah, right. I had a I had a nest under the hood of my car. No uh, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, "Hey, it's great. It's warm in here warm sometimes." In here. Wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> first year we lived in our house, we had some uh, elm trees in our backyard, and that first winter they ate about a third of the bark off of every single tree. So they oh. all were like doomed to die. We just moved in there. And I'm like, well, that's $5,000. I mm. appreciate that. <laughs> They're just your- welcoming you. Yeah. Hi. Cha- changes your perspective. This is our house. Yeah. Just, yeah. I think besides our pets. Our sufferance. Yeah. Yeah. I think besides our pets, they may be the most significant animal, the most significant urban animal. They just, mm-hmm. they're everywhere. They, like you were saying, Jim, you know, if you ever have to match wits with a squirrel, suddenly you find out <laughs> their importance and their, their abilities. Because, yeah, they're tenacious. They are. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Well, did you have a chapter that you really liked, Johannes? Oh, yeah. 
like I said before, and like Jim said, the the chapter on the post office uh-huh. was amazing. I learned so much, and I just I had to read things twice because I'm like, okay, surely that was a typo in my brain. That couldn't be real, but yes, it is. You can slap some postage on a tree trunk and just send it uh-huh. unpackaged. Like I'm like, that how is that legal? What? And that you could send a child. Yeah, through the mail, yes. like in like yes. in 1913, some grandparents just said, "You know what? We're going to send our kid, our grandkid, off to you know who knows where. Stick some postage on his butt or whatever, and send him off." And I love how they insured him for fifty bucks. Right, yeah. you know, gotta make sure yeah. in case anything sure happens, you get your money back. I guess I don't know how that works, but um, I that there was I loved reading about the mailster the car that they had designed, you know, like like the vans that we have now, and it was between World War One and World War Two. And but it was so flawed. It was a three wheeled little van. Yeah. It could, it foundered in three inches of snow, <laughs> and it would be overturned by a large dog. Large. Yeah. So it was just this little. It, yeah. It's like a bike basically with a side. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was just hilarious. Um, and but I did learn. I thought this was interesting that the USPS ranks fourth in serious injuries, yeah. just behind chicken meat processors. Dangerous you know who job. use knives all day long at breakneck speeds, and th- you know that's how many injuries they they get. You know, and they mentioned dogs, people's dogs. And I that read sort that of thing. the most dangerous dog to to mailmen, male women, male mm-hmm. carriers, male yeah, male people are Labradors. Oh. And I have a Labrador. Actually, I missed that. Was that in that chapter? No, I just read it somewhere. Well, keep in mind, though, that Labradors are one of the top, like, five breeds. So by sheer population, population. that may Mm. be skewing the numbers. So don't feel too bad. Don't feel too bad. And the other thing, speaking of large numbers, was in that chapter they said that the post service loses $3 billion a year. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that even, how do you just lose $3 billion every year and just go, okay, well... We'll just well, take it. See you, ne- <laughs> see you next year. Like, wh- what? Right. Like, no other entity could ever survive I in know, our country. Exactly. No corporation, no utility, nothing. No yeah. city government. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, that entire chapter just blew the top off my head. Yeah. I loved it. What did you like about it, Jim? Oh, I liked the mail chapter. Yeah. I, 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 was, uh, I was intrigued by that. Uh, I also liked the, uh, the chapter on, uh, on waste and trash. Me too. Oh, actually, yes. Found recycling and trash. Recycling. Found out that I'm doing some things wrong. Exactly. Uh, and I do sort, and and I think we're we're fortunate community here because they do offer um, both recycling and uh, composting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has helped me cut back on my trash tremendously. Oh, absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, it's interesting to note the you know because the city does have a waste diversion center. So even if you don't compost, you can you know during the week take take uh, old leaves, grass clippings. Mm-hmm. And uh, and limbs to the waste diversion, uh, and I think they offer free mulch because they mulch they do. it down, and you can you can you can you know dump your your load of uh, leaves and then get the mulch. throw some mulch in the back of your yeah. truck. Um, but uh, um, beyond that, I I never considered where my trash goes. And, and it's I've huge. To, I've been to the landfill. Oh um, God! You know, they have a landfill day where you can you can dump stuff. It's like a hellscape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so awful. It Trash. It, it just makes you feel just. And you you driving up there I was worried about getting a popping a tire because oh. there's stuff everywhere. But uh, yeah, um, you know it's 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 interesting. Uh, um, kind of what uh, an eye opener for you know because I never used to wash out my. My, uh, nope. my recyclables. Now I started to after yep. the book. So I was yep. like, well, I think, you know, if they're going to throw this stuff away, it's going to fill in the landfill. We should, uh, should do my part. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I was just amazed 
when you, you know, recently, or it's been in the news, maybe then last year, how we would send our recycling to China, right? Or, or, yeah. or an overseas country, yeah. they would buy it. Mm-hmm. But then that market dried up and they don't buy it anymore. And right. so it was like, we were stockpiling all this recycled material because we had nowhere to send it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just an interesting, you think, you know, we're doing a great thing, we're recycling it, but you don't really think beyond, well, what did they do with it? Besides mm-hmm. crushing it up and maybe making something new. Yeah. It used to go somewhere and now yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. And, and some places have had to stop their recycling because they have no anyone to buy it. Right. Yep. Um, and, and I'm really intrigued by the whole idea of on the front end, making less packaging, making recycling less necessary, Mm -hmm. or having the companies create packaging or something that recycles, having them sort of pay for the recycling Mm -hmm. um, instead of us on the back end trying to find a market for it. Right. Well, and I keep, I've heard a few times like, oh, Canadians use buy bagged milk instead of cartons. Oh, yes. And I was like intrigued because I'm like, okay, I could see that being less packaging, but is that bag recyclable? And I don't know because if the bag is not recyclable, but the carton is, if the bag is cheaper to produce, but the carton is not, yeah, you know, weighing all of those different things. But I agree. Like we have the bulk market on Absolutely. Main Street, and um, that's the um, that's very cool. I mean, when you go and you bring your container, they'll tear weight it, and then you can fill it with whatever. They do a steady business, so things are nice and fresh, and you can't buy everything there, but it's a great starting place if you're like, well, I have a glass jar and I can just keep it and keep reusing it. There's lots of little things, um, but so many little things to think about. Right. I mean, the easiest way to deal with the consequences is to not have those consequences in the first place, right? right? Or have Mm -hmm. a lot less of them and then it's not such a big problem. So I agree with you, Josie. It's, you know, it is one, one part of the problem is to say, okay, what do I do with all the stuff that I've produced after my consumption? Mm -hmm. But you know, it's a lot easier. It's the, you know, penny, somebody help me out with the saying, the penny for a pound for, in for, for a penny In for a pound? The, no. the oh, <laughs> an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> wow, I'm a librarian, I promise. Recesses <laughs> of my brain. But, yeah. you know, it's just, it is easier to start, you know, upstream rather than trying to deal with the problem yeah, downstream. Absolutely. Yeah. I think part of the challenge with, with, with dealing with our waste is that, um, Large companies and corporations have trained us, right. um, trained society that, yes. that, you know, it's about time, that, that it's easier, you know, uh-huh. for, for you to buy. It's harder for you to buy, you know, or, or should be easier in your life to, to buy a microwave meal versus preparing one from scratch. Right. Because it'll save you 30 minutes in the kitchen. Right. right. And so you have better things to do with your life than, than you know, cooking. Right. right. Listening um, to podcasts. This, this, <laughs> no, this is very valuable. Everybody should listen. This is very important. What are you talking yeah, so about? So it's sort of like that's where we've gotten to as a society. Right. Well, and they point out in that chapter, I think the worst thing, you know, known demand in terms of recycling are disposable diapers. Oh, you know, oh They yes. talked about that. Yes. And it's just, I remember my mom when I was, when I was very young and this was for my younger brother, but you know, she would ha- she had the cloth diapers. Yeah, I used yeah, them. Very time intensive, right? Oh you have gosh. to wash each one, wash them. dry them. You know, there's a whole yeah. bunch of them. Instead of just, you know, grab, toss, 
done. Trying it's to go somewhere life, with right? it. Yeah. But then where does it go? What happens right. to it? Oh, it's awful. Nothing. It just, yeah. you know, for 100,000 years, it's in the ground. We use, dispo- not disposable, we use cloth diapers for our, for my wife and I, for our two kids. Um, one of the offshoots of that is is you do a lot more laundry. Right. Yeah. And there's water. Exactly. You're, right. you're, 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 we ended up having to replace our washer before it was it was time right. because there we ran go. so many loads. Yep. There you go, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are some some offshoots. Yeah. Of, right, of extra that. burden again, on your waste treatment and you know, all of that water treatment. This, yep. We used disposable diapers for a small fraction of the time, and let me tell you, it's a lot easier. Oh yeah, right. Just oh, threw yeah. them away, and they 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 magically went out. You know, <laughs> right. Once a week, exactly. yes. disappeared. Well, yes. Um, and I I loved both the mail chapter and particularly the recycling. Um, I mean, there were a lot of really good ones that made me think. When I was in school, this, this kid that I went to school with, really, really, really nice kid. Um, but he just saw the world differently. And on the playground, he would pretend he was a trash truck. That was his thing. He knew statistics. I mean, we're talking first, second, third grade. He would, like, build roads in the dirt, like, with his foot. And it was kind of something different to do to sort of, like, pretend we were on the roads and he had rules and he had, you know, and it was strange for a playground activity, you know, (laughs) like other kids are playing superhero or whatever princess. And, but it was interesting because you kind of got to think differently, but it started me thinking. And in uh, kindergarten, I believe it was, or first grade, we took a trip to a water treatment plant, field trip, like, woohoo, of all the places you could take a field trip, take the kids to where the wastewater is. Um, and I still remember watching the the raw, you know, water coming in and everything that came out of it. The poo. Sock. Yeah, and a lot of other things yeah. that I may not mention. Do not flush flushable wipes. No. There also was a lot of corn. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That doesn't digest. No, but, but all these years later, I don't remember. And things that we, let's just say, did not understand, and they glossed over what those items were. Um, but, but then they went through it, and you know, you'd see clean water, and they're like, we're like oh, okay, that's cool. They're like, no, no, you, it's clear. It's not clean. And uh-huh. I'm like, what? Mind-bending. Like, there's still bacteria, and there's still, like, bad stuff in here. And then you get to the end, and they're like, okay, now it can be. But you see that process. So it makes an impression when you're young. Right. What was uh, stuff that you found, like, concerning or interesting? Um, I, well, this kind of, actually, my example was the recycling. And I, I won't go too much into it because we already touched on that. But I just, I was dumbfounded at the plastic bag numbers that uh-huh. they were talking about. I mean, 5 trillion single-use plastic bags produced annually, 1% of those recycled. Average working life of a plastic bag, 12 minutes. 12 minutes and it hangs around for a hundred years before it decomposes. I mean, those numbers, they're just staggering. Like that's what we're producing and that's what we're putting back into the earth. And so it's amazing that we're all just not covered each of us in plastic, (laughs) which I guess we are. When you look at at inside, they're like, Oh yeah, they're all the microplastics. So that's, that is definitely concerning. Yeah. Um, And it was, it did make you think about recycling as an industry. Right, mm-hmm. that it isn't this magic. You don't just put it in a bin and poof, it goes away and becomes you know the next thing you use. It has to be sold to some. It has to be processed by people and machines that break down and can get hurt. It has to be sold somewhere, and like you pointed out, it's a global market. So if literally half half um, halfway around the world 
China decides, you know what, I'm not going to buy this anymore, or my standards go up. Suddenly, a gold mine turns into a wasteland overnight, and mm. then you know what? What do those companies do that that do this? That have to pay their their workers and etc. So it's um, you know, and any industry that has that much volatility usually doesn't last too long. And so it, it that made me really concerned, just kind of you know, and definitely made me think about. You know, because I am one of those persons that gets that gets the recycler mailer, and they say, you know, what to do, what not to do, and I go through that thing and I see mm-hmm. if I can get better. But even more so, you know, to make that a viable option, and I think I'm I know that I I feel better when I recycle. I just do. I think I'm doing my part. I'm making a difference somehow, mm-hmm. somewhere. And um, so, in order for us to keep having that good feeling. This has to work. It has to be practical. Mm-hmm. And we each have a part in doing that. Like you said, Jim, just like, okay, take five minutes and scrape out this peanut butter jar or whatever. And, you know, yeah. because it because it actually helps. It makes a difference. I found that with peanut butter jars, if you give them to the dog, oh, yes. they lick them Absolutely. out pretty clean. Pro tip yeah. right so there. So I don't have to scrape it out. It's, it's, uh, it's nice. pretty much clean. There's just a little bit left a in a the bottom where the, the tongue can't get. You but cut yeah, the bottom yeah. off. <laughs> There you and go. I was oh. just going to say that. Then you wash that portion out. But right. otherwise, the dog chews it up. But uh, <laughs> Okay. But that's, uh, yeah, so most of it can be Pro can tip from out. Jim. Yeah. Get a dog. Get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what did you learn? Um, obviously, we learned a lot. But, but how beyond, you know, we're going to clean our stuff better before we put it in the recycling. What did you learn that's going to make you change what you do? Your life, for me anyway, it was you know when I read the the chapter about the phone, uh, just for my own personal knowledge, I never really knew you know the the um, Bell's prototype and you know how that worked, what that was, mm-hmm. and in this book he explains it, and I was like, oh, Eureka! I finally know what that what that mean, what that is, and um, and also he had some practical tips about how to um, cut down on junk mail, and and that was in a different chapter. This is in the mail chapter, but. That right there, I was like, wait, I can do that. Now, go online, register for mm-hmm. two bucks, and it cuts down a whole bunch on your junk mail, or it can. So that's something that definitely is going to change my life, I hope. Yeah. I think it, it for me, reinforces um, that importance of not taking all these systems for granted. Even if it's just, if it, not just, but if it's um, your neighborhood park, um, it, it isn't that it's just naturally taken care of mm-hmm. or that it's um you know i mean you take playground safety unless you see something obviously wrong you assume that everything is fine you may not see it things being fixed or you see it being mowed but a lot of work goes into making these systems successful and keeping things going and I think just as human nature, that out of sight, out of mind, or because it is the sort of everyday mundane and we're used to it, we tend to take for granted and also take the people for granted. What do you think, um, what's the benefit of knowing how things work or the behind the scenes? You know, why should we care? For most of public infrastructure, that's where your tax dollars go. Mm -hmm. So to... I think it's 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 always good for residents and taxpayers to understand where their money's going mm-hmm. and what it what is spent on it and mm-hmm. why. The, uh, the the challenge in working in the public sector is always uh, dealing with residents because they're our customers. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, and uh, they should understand. I think how things work. 
um, so that uh, because costs aren't getting things aren't getting any cheaper. Right. So either either as as you're uh, in the infrastructure world, you either cut services or you raise taxes uh, right. to continue. Because um, when you put a, a water line in the ground, um, that's it doesn't end there. There is constant maintenance. Um, there is is constant maintenance and expansion of the system um, for the wastewater treatment plant, for the water treatment plant, um, for the, the electrical generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as time progresses, uh, standards change. We are in a, um, and we can we can have another whole hour or two to discuss climate emergency, but we are right. in a climate emergency, and so um, City Council of Longmont is is has has instituted a, a climate emergency through resolution, and we are taking steps. LPC is Longmont Power Communications, um, and Public Works Natural Resources. All of the city um, are are taking measures to cut back on our use of greenhouse, you know, the uh, use of, of energy um, mm-hmm. to reduce greenhouse gases. Um, but in infrastructure, um, there are, you know, the third highest generation generator of greenhouse gases is our transportation system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everybody drives a, a car. I came to work today in a, a car. I didn't ride my bike because I was lugging my computer around. So, yep. you know, I'm part of the problem. Um, but, uh, um, so we are, are working, um, to, uh, working towards pushing electrical vehicles. Uh-huh. Part of that is a, is a whole new fueling system for those. So there's a lot going on in infrastructure. Absolutely. Um, so I don't want to distract everybody by oh, no. things, but that's why we invited you. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very true. You're the expert. Very timely right now. And I, I think the whole bike, the bike chapter I found very very fascinating too. I mean, I, I do ride my bike on occasion, but, and I usually feel safe. Um, but how, how much money up front it takes to make bike friendly streets, mm-hmm. um, according to him, you're putting in this outlay of money and time, hoping that you'll have people who use it more. Um, but what if they don't? And I think, yeah, there's a push and pull of that. If, if you don't make it safer, if you don't make these uh, more connections, nobody's going to use it. But you want people to use it, so you need to make it safer and put all this money out, but then are people going to use it? So I, uh, you know, it's how much, if you build it, will they come? But if you don't build it, they're not, they're not going to come. And, and that would reduce our congestion and reduce our greenhouse gases, hopefully. Uh, Carlson but, was mentioning that in that bike chapter that, I I forget what country and and when it was, but when they did make this change to bike more bike friendly um, um, transportation system or, or their art their arterial streets, uh-huh. it it did cause like a reduction of of rush hour traffic. A lot more people use the. I think that was Seville, wasn't it? Uh, Spain. It, it might be. I, it was like I a twelve fold increase in the in the biking. It, it was something like that because I think. And I and he, and there was a survey also that he pointed to saying that, you know, people would use it if they felt safer. Uh-huh. You know, so I think the demand is there. I mean, I know it is for me, but yeah. that's one of my concerns as well. It's just being safe. Yeah, yeah. I think in Boulder, there's so many people biking that there's a, I think maybe more awareness. And as there are more bikes, there will be more awareness. I think I think when I am in Boulder, I'm watching more i mean not that i don't watch here mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of part of the culture there you just know there are going to be a lot more people walking and biking Could and then be. you come yeah. back here and you're watching for them but it's like 
you know, if you have that more of a tide of them, then you're like, okay. If you see them more often, you're more used to. Right. Almost think of them more like, you know, unmotorized cars in, in terms of traffic. Right. And so, yeah, hopefully, but it is getting to that tipping point. How do you get to Mm -hmm. that? I think, you know, the, one of the ways that I think really learning about these helps is for us, you know, in the last, what, 10 or so years, we've almost doubled our population here in Longmont, maybe 15 years. Uh Um, It's really grown from just kind of a sleepy little community to almost, we're over 90,000 people where we were like uh, upper 50s, maybe 60,000. We're almost 100,000 now. Are we now? Yeah. Just shy of that a little bit. It's just hundreds and thousands of people moving here every year. Um, So we also knowing how things work and what the problems can be lets you know, number one, um, what the challenges are for like maintaining that infrastructure and also for that growth because they're both. And we're facing a lot of, you know, what do we do with the growth? How do we plan for it? Um, are we, how much are we going to have? And then also still having, you know, the finances and the manpower and the equipment to maintain what we already have. And when I, um, we moved into our first house a few years ago, um, we knew there were a lot of, it was an older house, 1960, and we had to ha- replace part of the sewer before we moved out. And we had it scoped and, and this guy said, oh, he was so relieved that we had, um, clay pipes because I guess a lot of Longmont has this sort of a, not quite cardboard, but it's like a post-World War II material that he said tends to be like terrible if you're, a, you know, a plumber that has to work on those. Whatever the material is tends to not last very long, I guess, in older parts. So he was thankful that we had that. And I thought, I thought everybody had metal or clay. But when you know that, you understand that everything has a lifespan. And when it comes up for cost of repairs for you or for the city, Or things come up on the ballot. You know, we need $6 million for specifically, you know, sewer and underground infrastructure. But if you understand why and the details of what it's going into, I think it's easier to go, yeah, okay, instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, just, oh, they want more money. So one of the challenges with with infrastructure is is forecasting to handle that growth. Mm -hmm. So um, Public Works and Natural Resources has undertaken several master plans uh, to to evaluate where the city will be in 50 years, particularly on our water uh, system, so we can provide, so we have the water supply, we were able to treat it, and then we're able to, to, uh, to run it to people's homes through the distribution system. So we actually just, I think, updated that um, in recent years uh, to handle kind of the, that gro- future growth of the city, which we, as part of that planning, we we tie it into the Envision Longmont plan, which sets the kind of the, where, where growth is going to occur and what that growth is going to be. So we look at the worst possible case and, and then um, do a lot of math and I do a lot of, a lot of planning um, so that we can size our, um, our distribution system adequately. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other challenges is also uh, for our water system is, is we, we track all of the leaks we see. And that's how, what we, one of the factors we use to base um, our yearly water replacements. Um, the age of a pipe goes into that. Um, the material, because uh, there's some rather uh, old, old uh, ductile iron pipes in town um, that we, we do replace on our on the wastewater side. We're looking at um, most of what we do nowadays is, is a, a, a non-invasive 
repair. We line um, a lot of uh, the sewer pipes uh, versus ripping up the street, <clears throat> going back in and, and having to put in a new pipe. We'll line that pipe, okay, and it provides structural integrity and gives us a, a lot more life out of the oh. pipe. So we do that every year as well. All right. Um, we're going to take a short break here um, and um, talk about lifelong curiosity and more when we come back. Um, Book Chatter is supported by the Friends of the Longmont Library. Hey, listeners. Did you know the Longmont Library has a collection of useful items that you can borrow? It's called the Library of Things. You can check out a telescope for the family campout or a GoPro to record your epic bike ride. We also offer ukuleles, a projector, and a DVD player. You can find out what is available and how to check them out by going to our website. Some restrictions apply. New items will be added soon, so make sure to check back. I also wanted to tell you about the new Book Chatter podcast newsletter. It comes out monthly, and you will get more information about our episodes, as well as reading suggestions. To subscribe, click on Sign Up for e-newsletters on our homepage and choose Book Chatter. Now, back to our episode. And we're back. We are talking about um, infrastructure and what it is and what it means to us. A big thing that that Carlson does talk about is um, establishing lifelong curiosity. He talks about awe walking. And I looked that up because I wasn't sure. Well, actually, he doesn't talk about awe walking in the book. But I looked and there's he, he's in an article talking about it. And it kind of is just sort of meditative walking, trying to look at things that you really don't notice very often and trying to think about how does that work? You know, here's this, this um, curb and, and why is this, this high? And, you know, why is it shaped like this? And trying to do that sort of in your life and, and, and trying to dig deeper and look differently at things and how it increases your awe of the world and how that is healthy for you. So, you know, how do we how do we cultivate that in our lives? Um, and how does a library cultivate that? I think probably you go to the library and check out a walk around the block because <laughs> it, nice. because it is it's a manual. An, it's on, a it's a mental awe walk really uh-huh. that you take your brain on as you read this book. Because you like, you know, things you never thought about before. Why is the curb this high? Why is, you know, everything? Because this book, what it what it really showed me is how much thought there is behind the systems that we use every day. Mm-hmm. And again, we've mentioned the word magic on this podcast many times. And yet there is no magic. It is <laughs> a lot of hard work, a lot of, right. um, you know, it's it's everything from taxpayers, yes, to, you know, paying their taxes. And it's it's yeah, it's Jim holding the city together with right. his bare hands. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not uh, go that far. Yeah. <laughs> it's innovation. But there's yeah. a lot more people holding their, the city together with their bare hands. Than right. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, and it does take all of us to, to, mm-hmm. to come together no matter what our job is, even if we're, you know, six years old, okay, we have a part to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to, to make sure to always have that curiosity right. is, you know, you need to always allow yourself to ask questions and know that that is a good thing. And to, to keep that sense, that childlike sense of why. Always asking another question, why? But why? And then why? And how about another why? You know, and just keep going and see where that takes you. Absolutely. Because usually it'll take you to amazing places, right? right? Like, this book's, like this book will show you, it's just every why. Behind every why, there is a baby getting sent 
through the post office. <laughs> you know, just behind every why there's pigeon races. And yeah, really realize it, exactly. <laughs> and I, I think also, you know, uh, and I think a big part is also n- allowing reality to talk to us instead of the other way around. You know, not putting our biases and saying, huh. okay, well, I think reality should be this. So I'm going to go out and hunt for those, you know, those things that confirm it. But to be open to say, hey, you know, whatever the truth is. Maybe it's maybe it's this way by accident and it just works. Or maybe somebody sat down and spent decades of their life figuring out how to make this like that woman you know, who painted the, the uh the the white lines on, on the road. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And exactly. how that saved so many lives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just stuff like that. You know, it is amazing. And and I think and I think personally, you know, those little those are the rewards that you get when you find out something amazing and interesting and you and you just Say, well, now I want more. And it's one of those few pleasures in life where the more you take of it, the more it'll give. Right. So I, I, I love it. And libraries, sorry, I forgot about libraries. I think, you know, libraries, their job is to say, okay, you have a question, here's your answer. And any library that just does that is pretty much doomed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just, mm-hmm. you can't do that anymore. It's, it's, people need more than that. Right. And I think their job is to showcase the rest of the world, you know, and there is so much of it, different cultures, different, um, sorry, different just phases of human history, entire different spheres of knowledge that you may not have known about. Mm -hmm. And to make sure that, you know, when you come to the library, you don't just, you like, you don't have to go searching through all the philosophy books or all the history books to find the stuff out. But for us to say, Hey, did you know that this existed? Mm -hmm. Did you know this is amazing? Because it, you know, it affects your water every day or it affects your recycling every day or, Mm -hmm. or what have you. Right. Yeah. I think that being in the moment, you know, just that all walking it just seeing, like I remember if you've ever like taken a nature walk with the kids, you know, sometimes we would do this at camp, like you pick up the leaves and the twigs and stuff and maybe put them on that special paper, set them out in the sun, paper changes color, or you make a craft or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, but the kids are, they're looking for something, but it also causes them to look at things and just experience without necessarily like a judgment about it an expectation like you were saying um this is how it should be like you know this leaf is the wrong size but instead of like well why is it that shape Mm -hmm. well why is there why are there six trees in this park Mm -hmm. like it's not a good or bad thing but huh they are there and there must be a reason and i think too we talked we there was some history and background on some of these um some of the infrastructure and different things that came from people just observing, whether they were just maybe sitting in a street corner watching what was happening and seeing, okay, we have a need for traffic signs or we have a need for, you know, bigger crosswalks or whatever it may be. Um, innovations come from that curiosity, but also just from a pure observing without having any sort And I don't think we do that anymore, Denise. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't have boredom. Right. You know, if we're sitting there, you, you've all seen it, uh, you're sitting at the airport or, or at a dinner, you know, yeah. at a restaurant, people yeah. waiting for their food. Everybody's on their device. Right. You know, they're not sitting looking at people. Right. They're totally yeah. in their own worlds. And I, I see it on my kids. I see it on myself. It just becomes a habit. And you're like, oh, I don't want to just sit here and look weird like I'm staring at people. You know, so I'm just going to stare down at this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we're missing maybe a lot yeah. of things Right. By just sitting there and observing and watching what happens. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can go out to my garden and have a, be on a mission. I've got to water it. I've got to weed it. I've got right. to see what's growing. But I get out there 
And I hadn't thought about it. My husband said, what are those white flowers? And I was like, oh, those are carrots. They were deceived. He's like, seriously, what are the white ones? They're carrots. Denise, they're five and a half feet tall. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then I stopped and went, okay, those are actually taller than me. And that is weird. And there's like eight kinds of bees on there or more. If I bring my kids out and I don't make them like actually work because teenagers, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> mine anyway, <laughs> they're wonderful kids, but they'll start going, oh, well, I mean, my, my teenage daughters will start picking up roly polies or looking at like shapes in the clouds or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, just to sit outside and sort of watch the world go by, which goes back to the porches. The porches, yeah. Yeah, people yes. figure solve problems and, and innovate and connect um, in amazing ways. And um, we're going to move on um, and talk about some of the challenges facing Longmont in terms of infrastructure and topics covered in this book. And I think we've talked about some of them. Um, you know, the biking, the whole biking versus cars, or making Longmont more bike friendly. And would that reduce congestion? But what, what, what do you think, Jim? Just what some challenges are that are going to be facing Lama in infrastructure terms? So I, <clears throat> kind of living with this every day. Yeah. Um, I think the challenges um, are how to provide the facilities that people want. Right. Um, so, you know, looking at biking, that's, you know, we have a, we have a you know, a pretty established a road system. The city in and of itself doesn't build new roads. Mm-hmm. Okay. Developers do uh, as they develop some of the green spaces. We'll see a few later this year uh, on the Western side of town as, as they're, they're building out. Um, but um, in the existing infrastructure, how do we provide the facilities we want? How do we provide bike lanes? Mm-hmm. Um, which, which, which kind of will, will conflict with some of the parking because some of our, our projects will remove parking to push for on Ninth Avenue, yeah, I've been heard yes, about Ninth that. Yes, Ninth Avenue's example. Yeah, um, so uh, that's one of the one of the challenges. I think right. the, the biggest challenge facing infrastructure for our residents is is going to be how do we maintain that infrastructure? Mm-hmm. Okay, how do we provide uh, strong sound water lines, uh, strong sewer lines that that you know. People take it for granted because, you know, kind of you flush your toilet, it disappears. Right. It's like the trash. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and recycling, it's, it's gone when you put it out to the curb. Um, what, one of the, the other challenges I'll throw in there in, in regards to the road system is how do we adjust that road system for the changing society? Okay. What we're starting to see now more is, is different forms of transportation. Uh, see, you're starting to see e-bikes. In fact, I, I think, uh, one of the staff noted that you can't buy an e-bike in town. Uh, they are getting sold out. So Oh, um, okay. Oh, you can't they're, buy they're, them because they've been all because bought. Because they've, they've been all bought. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. Um, and, and, and now with the challenge with, with COVID, uh, it's, it's similar. To hit, hit, it's hit the bike industry like it's hit the automobile industry. Is There's certain parts you can't get. They're back-ordered. Um, yeah. took me, I, I just had my bike repaired. It took me like three weeks because of the, uh, the challenge of getting parts for it. Right. Um, you're, you're starting to see, you're going to start to see, I already touched on, on, uh, electric vehicles. You're starting to also see, uh, you hear a lot of uh, talk about, uh, self-driving cars. Yeah. Okay. And that's going to add challenges to the infrastructure, uh, for us once they figure out how to, you know, how they can drive in snow. Um, (laughs) one of the bigger things you saw. Are they not tested in snow? Well, um. I wonder. One of the, the systems they use to for control is is reading the, the striping. 
on the streets. Oh, right. So no stripes okay. and so it's blind. So part of that challenge is also going to be how do they communicate with each other as well as communicate with a signal system? Okay. Oh. Um, so they're still working out a lot of those bugs. Um, one of the one of the rather entertaining YouTube videos I watched was uh, a uh, self-driving taxi. I think it was in somewhere in Arizona driving through a construction zone where they actually changed the lanes via uh-huh. barrels. Those big orange, bright oh. orange barrels. Yep. Yes. And the system just shut down. I don't know they what to do. With the passenger do. in the back, they had to call service. Oh. Guy come out and actually self actually drive the vehicle to the guy's destination. So oh, wow. there, there's going to be those challenges right. uh, as we see, you know, what is the, you know, we, we had just had a, a meeting with council recently about the future of transportation, what that's going to look like. Uh-huh. Um, so there's, there's a lot of that challenges, but the biggest thing is, is adapting, I think, to, to how things change and, and maintenance of that infrastructure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Across the board. Um, I just do want to touch on one thing that, that, um, that I did note, I, I didn't bring it up earlier, but uh, one of the chapters was on on telephone lines uh-huh. and telephones in your house. And, and that is what, for, for me, is kind of a changing dynamic because mo- there's a, not a lot of people who use landlines anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody uses a cell phone. But what we do see now in lieu of, of, of telephone lines is cable internet mm-hmm. uh-huh. and fiber internet. So that's kind of changing that dynamic. That's now the service that's running to people's houses, okay, uh, whether it's the private company or in the city we have Nextlight um, that runs fiber internet everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the other dynamics that you'll start to see changing um, when you walk around the block is going to be the 5G system that, that everybody talks about coming. It's, it's seeing in other cities where um, in lieu of these large uh, telephone communication systems, um, cell towers, you're going to start to see smaller poles throughout the neighborhoods. Huh. Um, Additional? And, yeah. Okay. And, and what they've done, is they, they can put them on existing systems. Um, they've talked about putting them on some of the next light, or not next light, uh, LPC um, lighting poles. Uh, some of them are just self-standing poles. Uh, you're seeing them a lot in, in more of the urban areas now. But that would be the next kind of craze that goes through of infrastructure you're going to see when you take your walk around the block. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you, Denise and Johannes and Jim, very much for this great discussion of A Walk Around the Block by Spike Carlson. Our pick for September is Sabrina and Karina by Kali Fajardo and Steen. Um, It's stories. And you can participate. You read the book, then you share your comments and questions with us online, by email, or leaving us a voicemail. In our program notes, you can see how to do this. Thank you for listening. This has been a great conversation. And we'll see you next time on Book Chatter, the book club for busy people.